Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are studying the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, The Temptation of Jesus. Our prayer request this week comes from Carlos. He is taking his citizenship test next week and is very excited. He has been a permanent resident for many years and is hoping to finally join his wife and children in becoming a citizen. Carlos, we are praying for you. Today, I am drinking Knob Creek Single Barrel on the rocks. Now, let's get started with a prayer. Almighty God, we are all tempted. Tempted every day to walk away from your path, much in the same way as you were tempted in the desert. Allow us to learn through this study how we can avoid temptation of our own and live our lives according to you. Let this not be the best part of our day, but merely a building block to something greater to come. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 12. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan! For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 12. Our scripture reading for today jumps right into the action. The very first verse has Jesus being led into the wilderness by the Spirit, and then tempted by the devil. Last week, we talked about how the Spirit of God is another branch of the Trinity, one leaf connected to a whole. So the Spirit leading Christ into the wilderness is kind of like Christ leading himself. He already knows what is happening. Jesus kind of went on his own accord with the Spirit's guidance into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And in some ways, this shows us that even temptation finds its place in God's purpose for us, though it's not to be sought after. You can't enter a den of temptation and hope to tell your significant other that you only entered it for godly pursuits. That's not how this works. But temptation that we have naturally in our lives can be used to benefit our faith and our spirituality in the same way that it was a benefit to Christ. 
Jesus, in this scripture, was tempted by the devil, or Satan, or the tempter, or the slanderer. When we think of the devil, we often think of a red man with a spiked tail and a pitchfork. But that's not how the devil is described in the Bible. That romantic idea of the devil in hell, either as an overseer or as another being being punished, is a work of Renaissance fiction, connected heavily to works like Dante's Inferno. And later, in our modern period, it has been changed even further to a little red man who sits on your shoulder trying to lead you astray. But that's not how our scripture describes the devil. The Greek word that Matthew uses here for devil means quite literally the slanderer. And in the Old Testament, when we see Satan or the devil, we see him discussed as an adversary, an opposing counsel to God's will, trying to lead or tempt humans astray. We see that quite clearly in the book of Job, where the devil is presenting Job with an alternative path to God's way. And that's a similar way to how the devil is described here in the Gospel of Matthew. It's not really a physical manifestation. We don't see this punisher described with a pitchfork, but instead he is a spirit of temptation, as opposed to the spirit of God. And when I have temptation in my life, it's often expressed in that way too. It's not a physical representation of a man wearing a red cloak, but instead a spirit leading me astray. So, when I read this scripture, I don't think of Jesus standing next to an evil demon, but instead I imagine Jesus next to the spirit of slander, the spirit of temptation, the opposite of the spirit of God, that very spirit that led him into the wilderness. Likewise, the Greek word tempted here can be translated or rendered as the word tested. So instead of being tempted, he may be being tested by the spirit of slander. Before the temptation, he fasted for 40 days in the desert. There actually was recently a pastor who tried to fast from food and water for 40 days. He made it to the mid-30s, but unfortunately he died after getting that far. So it's fairly reasonable to assume that that 40-day time period was supernatural, another miracle of Jesus. But even though it was a miracle, Jesus still would be hungry after 40 days hungry enough to be tempted or tested. So, the adversary comes to him with his first test, asking him if he would turn these stones into bread. And that's an interesting test, because it doesn't really seem that sinful. If Jesus was hungry, and he had truly fasted already for those 40 days, which seemed to be a symbolic period of time, then why would it be wrong for him to turn these stones into bread? 
There is no direct law in the Old Testament against it. It doesn't seem like a sin at all. But I think even before Jesus began to preach in public, we can see this as part of Jesus' message. Jesus is the Son. The Father has had him tempted in the desert to test his worth. And if he eats this bread, he is going against the will of God. It's not that the act itself is sinful, but breaking the will of God is. And we can see through this action, that in the Gospel of Matthew, sin is no longer described as a simple list of commandments. Instead, Jesus expands upon it, saying that it's not necessarily the letter of the law which you need to follow, but the intent of it. If it's God's will for these stones to be stones, then Jesus is to fast. It would be a sin to break the will of God and turn these stones into bread. The period of 40 days is also important because it mirrors the experiences of several people in the Old Testament. Moses, in the book of Exodus, went up to Mount Sinai to be with the Lord for 40 days. Elijah fled on foot for 40 days to go up to the mountain of the Lord. And finally, and most importantly, those 40 days mirror the experiences of the Hebrew people when they wandered through the desert for 40 years waiting for the promised land. Jesus is not being tempted alone, but he is being tempted or tested in connection with those great forefathers and the Hebrew people that came before him. And in particular, he is overcoming his temptations in a way that those past Hebrews did not. Each temptation that he has relates directly with those temptations and tests that the Hebrew people had while they wandered in the desert. In the wilderness, in the book of Exodus, the Hebrew people were hungry, and they asked and demanded of God that he give them manna from heaven so that they could eat. They wanted him to make bread for them so they would not have to continue with their fast. Jesus does not do this. Instead, he says that he does not need bread because instead he will live by the very word of God, that every word that comes from the mouth of God is substance for him. He is going beyond what those people before him said. But that's not the end of his temptations. Now, the spirit of temptation removes Jesus from the desert. He is no longer in the wilderness, but he is now on that holy city's highest point, the top of the temple. And it's no accident that the accuser brought him there, to be surrounded by the trappings of the secular God of the Jewish people. Because if you ask the Pharisees and the Sadducees where God lived, they would say the temple within its man-made pillars, man-made walls, and curtains. So, it's in this place where Satan brings Christ to tempt him once again, telling him to throw himself off so that the angels that lived in this temple would catch him. Which I've always found to be a bit interesting. Because 
God does not save Jesus from pain in the Bible. In the Gospels, Jesus suffers a lot. It's only Satan that says that God will command his angels to save the suffering of his son Jesus. Jesus does not say that at all. And it makes us think about our own lives, too. Is it only Satan that tells us things will be easy, that we will not suffer? But Jesus doesn't fall for this trap. He does not test God here. Instead, he continues to trust in the will of the Lord. This again mirrors the Hebrew people as they wandered in the desert in the book of Exodus. They went to Moses and questioned if God was strong enough to save them since they did not have enough water. They were thirsty and afraid they would die from thirst in the desert. God does eventually provide them with water, but when he does, he questions why they tested him at all. God would provide them water when they needed it, and he was upset that they came to him before that prescribed time. Why did they test the Lord instead of waiting for his will to be done? Here Jesus, once again, overcomes the traps that the Israelites had fallen into in the past. Jesus trusts in the will of God and the tests that come later. He will continue to trust in the will of God, even through the crucifixion and into the resurrection. Then we have Jesus' final temptation. And in many ways, it's the most interesting. Because the spirit of slander moves him from the temple and places him on the highest mountain so he could show him all the kingdoms of the world, all the earthly power that men have sought after for the entire history of existence. Roman emperors, Greek kings, Assyrian and Persian kings of kings have all looked for what the devil offers Jesus here. Kingdoms and power as far as the eye can see. But Jesus turns him down once again even more abruptly than before. Again, this relates to the Hebrew people and their period of wandering. They broke down and worshipped false idols and false gods, but Jesus does not. He does not place his hopes in material power. Instead, he worships the Lord. Jesus defeats this temptation once again and rejects all earthly power and worships God alone. And it shows us that we too can defeat temptations in our own lives. We hunger for things that are not necessarily bread, but things that we shouldn't have, things against the will of God. We seek to test God, asking for belief that's based on more than the Spirit, asking for God to do things against God's own will. And, of course, we seek power and wealth and all the other trappings of human existence which are against our Creator's wishes. We might think that these temptations are unique for us today, but they're not. They're the same temptations that have existed since the early readers of the Gospel of Matthew. And this temptation narrative serves as a focus for the rest of the Gospel. It shows us that Christ will teach us to reject those temptations and instead search for something greater, 
Search for the Word of God made flesh, the Spirit of God, and the power of God in Him. We live in a highly materialistic culture today, but the Roman period in which Jesus lived wasn't any less materialistic. They may not have had nice cars, but they lusted after nice robes and nice chariots. People back then wished to show their wealth and status just as people do today. And the Bible does a wonderful job of showing how we should reject those earthly trappings and focus on having a complete life with the will of God. The temptation or testing of Jesus isn't about Jesus proving anything. Jesus was the perfect son at the moment of his baptism. When he's baptized and pulled out of the water, the Lord said, This is my son who I love. With him I am well pleased. The Father in heaven was pleased with Jesus before the temptation ever began. Jesus was tested for us to realize what Jesus was doing. As a pastor, there are several different templates I use for my sermon, uh, different ways to structure the information that I'm trying to present. And one of my favorite is the not this, not this, not this, but this method. It's not fancy by any means, but in it I say three things that are not correct and then finish with the one that is correct. Three things you shouldn't do, and one thing you should. It's a way to get people invested not only what they need to do with their lives, but also the things they should shun. And the temptation of Jesus does just that. It shows us three things we should not do, and then the one that we should. Worship and serve God. In the end, Jesus cast away the devil quite easily, just by telling him to be gone. He could have done that at the very beginning, before the temptations even began. But if he did, we wouldn't be able to learn from them. And immediately upon the devil leaving, the angels came to Jesus and attended to him. The very thing that Jesus was tempted with happened as soon as the temptation was over. Because now, It was the will of God. It wasn't a sin because God wanted it done. This wasn't a performance for anyone. There was no audience for Jesus' temptation, just Jesus and the devil. But through the passing of this information to us and this gospel narrative, we can learn from it. It's written for us so that we can understand how to focus our own lives, particularly around Jesus' mission. And next week, we're going to learn a little bit more about Jesus' mission, how he worships and serves God through his teaching and his preaching, and his calling of his first disciples. As always, thank you for joining me today. If you have any questions over the material or any prayer request, please email me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. Additionally, If you do drink, please do so responsibly. 
While it is true that Jesus drank wine, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it. If you need help but don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.